oh my goodness, I want it to go away so bad. You know, like we don't sit here and say, oh, let's have a video call over the internet, right? Like, no. Welcome to Airdrop, the show that'll help you understand what NFTs are, how to use them, how they work, and all that good stuff. My name is Ralion, and I'm here with the homie Phosphorus, and today we're talking to Jessica Greenwald. Jessica is a UX researcher who wanted to make the leap into Web3. So she made some connections, found a new job, took a pay cut, and learned under the best and brightest in the space, soaking up as much knowledge as possible. Jessica now works for Vayner3, which is the new rebrand of what... I guess used to be Vayner NFT. That's Gary V's company that helps like big corporations get into Web3 and teaches them how to use NFTs and stuff like that. They work with like Pepsi and Anheuser-Busch and like these really I big I feel companies. super privileged to have this conversation with Jessica because she really leads us through the basics of what an NFT is, how to think about NFTs and kind of how like the future of the internet and Web3 and how it's all happening. So today we're going to dive into how these major corporations are thinking about entering the NFT space. We're going to talk about what success and failure looks like for an NFT project. And lastly, we're going to talk about why Jessica hates the term NFT and wish it would disappear. And a whole bunch of other stuff. So one big thing that Jessica touches on um, is how leaders need to be crystal clear with their vision if they want their NFT project to succeed. And then secondly, those leaders must be able to communicate their vision to their community so that the community can really, you know, make the project their own. Our mission and vision at Airdrop is to help you and your friends understand NFTs and Web3 so you can use this new wave of the internet to benefit your creative career and any new business ventures you think up. We, of course, can't do this without you. If this is a mission you sound like you can get behind, it would really be helpful if you could rate and review this podcast wherever you listen to podcasts or subscribe on YouTube. And... This will help other people find this podcast organically and so they can learn how to use Web3. Or you can skip all that and just share this episode with a friend. <laughs> also, if you want to follow us on Twitter, say hi. That would be really awesome. You can find us at Airdrop Show. All right, let's drop in. All right, today we have a very special guest. We have Jessica Greenwald. Jessica, could you just, one, say hi to the folks, and two, if you could just explain what an NFT is in the most simple language possible, that would be fantastic. Sure thing. Hi, folks. NFT, it's a certificate of authenticity. I like to compare it to any time you've purchased collectibles or sports memorabilia, and it comes with this cute little piece of paper that's usually designed up to look pretty fancy and have some sort of holographic sticker on it that says, we confirm that this is an authentic whatever, whatever it is. That's all that is. And you can attach that certificate to anything. Hmm. Yeah. So like if you bought an action figure in the 80s and you took it out of the box, as long as you have that little piece of paper that says this is authentic, you're good to go. Well, so that's that's what's great about the technology we're using now is if you're a graphic designer, such as myself, it's quite easy to forge such documents. Not that we mm. would ever do such a thing. You right, kind right. of like take an oath in graphic communication school that you won't do anything quite like that. But, but 
it's not exactly the greatest method of verifying the authenticity of something when it's in paper formats that's not really tied to anything that a someone from the general public could easily look up and say like, oh, I know for sure this is a real collectible or real piece of art or, you know, like from the actual artist. And now with NFTs, because we have this very public record that cannot be changed, you can see who that NFT originated from and all the owners that have held on to that asset until it got to you. See, and I think that's what sets this apart from other technologies is the ability to just look at the record. Mm -hmm. Where is it? Where has it been? So you can kind of verify. So it could be, I own something that Michael Jordan once owned. And that makes the value of it go up or something something along those lines. That, and I think that's what makes all of this technology so incredible, not just for the artist to be able to sell their work, but as a collector or somebody who is looking at certain things as, as to grow over time and value, you also have this, this, this record of and chain on the blockchain. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Okay, cool. I'm, I'm, I'm starting to understand here. So Jessica, how did, how did you find blockchain NFTs? How did you like fall into this world? Oh man. End of 2020. I had been working for a variety of tech companies. I I've been in tech for like two decades at this point. Right. And I decided at the end of 2020, I just was not going to work with any organizations that were not already working in the crypto space or had a plan to start their Web3 strategy. We weren't calling it Web3 strategy at the time, right? It's like to get into blockchain tech, right? Because that's where everything's headed. That's the future. And being someone who likes to operate in the wild west of the tech world I like getting involved in things before they become like mainstream products, right? Like I, I like being part of the crew that gets to influence and shape that future. So I just had a hard line in the sand. 2020, I'm not working with any more companies that are not in the crypto space or very clearly going to be in there in the very, very near future. And I asked around my network, who could I learn from? Like who's the best person for me to shadow and get as much knowledge as humanly possible from. And I was introduced to the founder of the leading cybersecurity company in the space called Fishboard. And it turned out he actually needed a UX researcher, which is what I do. So I was like, hey, if you need a UX researcher and I want to know everything that's in your head, why don't we work together? <laughs> and, and he was like, man, I don't... I don't think we can afford you. <laughs> and I was like, I was like, look, you pay me whatever you can afford and teach me everything you know. So that was the deal. So I took a massive pay cut from like executive salary down to like back to what I was getting paid when I first graduated college. Right. 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 Um, but Matt, founder of Fish for It, super generous with his time, sat down with me for hours on end, walked me through anything that I had a question about and like taught me a few things where he was like, I think you should just be aware of these things. And then it's, it's great to have that education from a security expert, right? So mm -hmm. getting to see the inner workings of the crypto industry from someone who knows how to protect themselves and, and make sure I'm set up to, to protect myself in the space, which was as, as you've seen, just being in the space has become increasingly more important. 
Right. So got that knowledge from the, the best person I could have possibly learned all of this from. And he is the reason that I'm, I'm in the space now and how I've gotten into access some awesome projects and get involved in a bunch of really cool projects. And we were actually working with a really big exchange, helping them launch their NFT programs. And one of my anonymous friends <laughs> that I met through Clubhouse asked me if I would meet their anonymous friend. And, and I said, sure, yeah, I'll hop on a call with them. I hop on this call and this person has a totally digital face, Whoa. like an AR layer face. It was creepy as hell. I like, as soon as he came on, it, it's a digital clown face and it actually, the mouth actually moves when he talks. Whoa. It was like, I don't know if you've ever seen Saw, the horror movie. Oh yeah. I had those vibes where I just saw that. I've never seen anyone do this before. I've never seen anyone come onto a video call. First of all, I was surprised he was going to do a video call because he's anonymous, right? So I was thinking like, oh, I guess, I don't know. I don't, I don't know what that's going to be like. But he comes on, clown layer face, digital. And I was just sitting there thinking like, am I going to get kidnapped now? Like, Is he finding my location? Am I being <laughs> set up for a game somewhere? <laughs> I know, right? Like now the game begins. <laughs> I don't I just... I was so like taken aback by it. I just, I just, I laughed. Like I meet the guy and I just like laughed at him. I'm like, I'm really sorry. I, I've just never seen anyone do this before. It's kind of weird. And I was like, do you do this for all your business meetings? And he's like, yeah, I'm anonymous. <laughs> like I'm a weirdo for asking. And we had a great combo, like super nice dude. I really like the guy. And then, you know, we, we hang up and that's fine. And a couple of days later, the president of Vayner NFT called me up and said that, her buddy, who was the person I was on the call with, said I needed to be on their team. Wow. <laughs> I was like, oh, this is intriguing. And and I joined. Wow. It sounds like straight something straight out of straight out of a movie. <laughs> it's especially yeah, because you see that now more and more people who are anonymous and and seeing all that. But yeah, that had to be you weren't expecting it. It was weird. I think it's that's really funny. So okay, so I have a question. What was it about crypto in general that you were like, this is the future. I'm putting everything on the line for this. Well, I, you know, I wouldn't say like putting everything on the line. Like I've, okay, I've been in tech right. for a while now. Like I, I'm a financially responsible adult. It's not, <laughs> it's not like I'm, I'm just gonna, I don't know, throw caution to the wind and, and not be set up we, to be able you to. You made an it. active choice. This is the area yeah. you want to work in. Yeah, I, I just think that's an important distinction because it's 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 the truth, right? Like, it's right. not like I just woke up one day and I'm like, fuck it, I'm going to be a starving artist and and I don't care, I'm not going to worry about paying a mortgage or whatever, you know, like, this, right, right, right. that's not exactly what I recommend and that's not how I operate. So yeah, but why I decided that this was the space I want to be in, I... I like being able to shape things at the ground floor. And mm -hmm. I think that because this technology is going to be so widely used and it's the, it's the next wave of the, the internet, that we didn't have a lot of diversity in the room when this Web2 experience was being developed. So it doesn't take into account the experience and needs of 
of a whole lot of people, right? Like it's a very focused user base that it it was built to serve. And I think it's really important when you see technologies like this starting to get built up and established for more people from a variety of backgrounds to get involved so they can help inform how that technology is built so that it can help serve a broader audience. And me being, you know, like a Pacific Islander woman, don't see a lot of myself in the room. And when I first started in the tech industry, I'm usually the usually the only girl on on the tech team at small enough startup companies and, and even at medium-sized companies throughout my career. I I thought it was important and I continue to think it's important for me and other people like me and even people who are no, nothing like me to just be in the room and help design what this technology that is going to impact so many people is going to be like. Mm, yeah. And when you go to some of these crypto events, it can just be a bunch of white dudes sitting in a room. And if we do want the technology to be used by everybody, we need to have everybody's viewpoint on how it works and how we can reach them and how they use it because everyone's going to use it differently. So yeah. I think that's really important. You said something really good, but you want you like shaping things on the ground floor. Now, you're working with Vayner NFT. What does that look like? As Because you are legitimately, I feel like Vayner's on the cutting edge of shaping how this technology is being used at uh, on larger levels. How are you guys shaping things and moving things? So we just rebranded to Vayner 3. And we went from Vayner NFT to Vayner 3 to capture that we do far more than just NFT programs, right? Mm, like there's a okay, whole yeah, web yeah. system and, and we have been helping our clients enter the web three space, not just God. drop NFT programs, right? Like we're, we're, we're all about long-term planning for any of these engagements. But I, I'm glad you asked that because it's this being in this organization gives you the unique opportunity to help major massive, influential, international brands enter Web3. And what you do with them essentially sets the expectation for what other brands or other major organizations think is the appropriate way to enter the space, right? Mm -hmm. So we are setting the cultural expectation for if you're going to engage in Web3, what is that like? And we've had the, the benefit of working with clients who are all about using this as an opportunity to support causes that they believe in, that they that are aligned with their mission and that they want to see as a positive impact on the world. They're using these Web3 entry programs as a way to have some social impact. And, and that is becoming the expectation for mm-hmm. organizations. If they want to enter the space, if you're going to do some kind of Web3 program, there's some social impact component to it. I love that because, yeah, you're talking about industry leaders paving a way, right? And mm-hmm. we've been talking about, I guess, we as a generation in the Western world want to see more bigger bigger corporations giving back in bigger ways because they have the economic resources, the clout, and the influence to do so. And yeah. leveraging their influence in that way, especially moving into this next phase of the internet, I think is very important. All right. So when Fortune 500 companies or the big players in the space come to you, what are they asking about Web3 and NFTs? What are they looking for? How are they using it? How do they want to use it? It is all over the map. So we have some brands come to us who they've had 
a couple folks in their organization that are really excited about the technology, right? So they've been doing their research and they already, they come with, with ideas of how they want to engage with the space. And then we can kind of help them refine those ideas or make suggestions. And then, and then we have some brands that are like, we don't know anything about this, but we see that it's the future. We see that that's where people are headed. We don't want to miss out on this, but really have no idea where to even start or, or even what terminology to use. So we have programs where we'll go in and, and educate organizations. Like we'll even go there in, in real life, in person and host these workshops. So there's an educational component to get their team up to speed. And this is cross department, right? right? Because everyone's involved in this. You, you mm-hmm. got to get your finance department involved. You got to get your legal department involved, your marketing department, you name it. And then whatever brands you have under your umbrella, you have to choose how are they going to engage in Web3. So getting them all in the same room, getting those conversations started and making sure that they're set up to even consider a program, right? And then giving them some examples of of folks in their industry who've successfully managed drops. And then also looking at some examples of of programs that maybe didn't do as well. So you can learn from from the mistakes of others and, and not repeat them. But if a brand comes to us and has no idea what's going on, we educate them. And then it's through that educational process where we're getting to have an open dialogue with them about what excites them, what their goals are for for their brand and for their products and messaging and goals for the impact they want to have will be and how they can tie that into a Web3 program. So we start, we start off where they are. We meet them where they are and help guide them along the process. Okay, can you give it just a quick example? You don't have, you don't have to name names or anything, but what is a what does a failed drop look like versus what is what is a successful drop look like? Oh geez, I mean, I, I don't want to like you know, I don't want to like you don't got to throw anybody under the bus. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Hypothetically, I, think, I, I mean, we've 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 all seen a, a bunch of projects, and and you know, like when when I first started working on projects in the space, like they. There's there's a couple projects where just didn't gain traction, right? Like the community engagement engagement angle wasn't set up properly. Mm. The marketing angle wasn't set up properly. I think a lot of people take for granted or don't take into consideration how much work is put into the messaging and educating people to even get into the drop in the first place and how yeah. crowded of a space it is that you have to come up with something that will make your message stand up, stand out about all above all the noise, right? And yeah. that takes time and build up. There, sh- there should be build up before you even announce or launch your project. You should have already had marketing team in place working on building the connections with other communities or outlets where they're going to share this message and have a plan to roll that project out to, to the market. I think a lot of people think they can just put together a program and just drop it. Right. And then if you build it, they will come. And that's, that's just, that puts you in a world of hurt later (laughs) or a world of pain later when you're, when you're like, wait a minute, I I dropped this to crickets. Whereas everyone also, nobody understands what I'm talking about. So I, I would say as like failed examples, we have a couple of those and you having been in the space, you've seen, what folks refer to as rug pulls. A lot of people like building up a lot of hype on a project and then saying all these exciting things are going to happen, getting a lot of people to buy in and then ghosting, right? Just disappearing. That happens too. It's, it's kind of like getting into an NFT project right now kind of feels like investing in a super early stage startup company where it's, 
it's like gambling, right? Like it's effectively gambling. You don't know what's going to happen. You don't know how this is all going to play out. You can, you can base your decision-making off of like, do I believe in the team? Do I think they're the right team to execute on this vision? You know, like same way you think about angel investing (laughs) and, and probably worse odds than angel investing, I think, (laughs) because it's, because the, the barrier to entry for launching a project is even lower. So That's that's what it feels like right now. It's like a, a great way to lose a lot of money. Um, but, <laughs> but if you're like backing projects you believe in and you're excited about, then you know that's then it's not not as painful when right. When if you're bu- if if you're buying art from artists you believe in, it's a little bit different than this person's gonna build the next amazing thing. But they've never built anything before, and you're like, why am I trusting you? That, right. that 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 does how it feels. Okay, that's definitely failure. Success. Yeah. You're talking about like lining things up, and it's almost like a giant drip campaign, is what I'm kind of hearing. Oh like, man, I mean, so that's just the marketing angle, right? Like, I would say success is a clear vision, right? That you, the leader, the leadership of that project has that they put out there and know how to build a community around, because that's okay. There has to be a community of people to help bring that project forward. So there's not a single point of failure, right? Like we're moving into a world where instead of our typical organizations where you have executives at the top and they set the vision and they give direction and tell everyone what to do, right? And And then people execute on that. Now it's like very community driven, right? Where anyone can decide to step up and say like, here's what I propose for this project. And, and the community can really make it their own and have a process for voting on how they think that project should move into the future. And the really cool thing about that is there's no single point of failure, right? Like if I'm leading a project and, and I die, <laughs> that project could effectively would, be yeah. dead. You know, it's just, it's right. done now, right? Like if it's all tied up in, in my ownership and my, my identity and, and I, I pass, then what, what next? Like who even has the keys to move things forward? But then if you have this NFT program where you've actually distributed that decision-making power, then it has greater chances for longevity because someone else, like if you, if you're doing a good job, getting people passionate about the community and about the project, there are a lot of people there who can step up and fill the roles that open up on, on an as needed basis and help keep that project alive and keep that project going. And then you have people working at it in different angles on, on how to promote it. And since everyone, everyone feels more like they have some level of ownership as, as someone who's part of the community, it's not like you're just a customer anymore. Now you're like, no, I, I have this token that signifies my membership and my affiliation with this group. And I want to see it succeed. Like I am personally invested in seeing this succeed. Then you have an entire community of people who want to make that thing a success. And that's, that's, I I would say like activating that energy and creating a strong enough narrative for people to get excited about and build upon on their own and want to take that and make it their own as a group and continue moving that forward. That's success. And that is not easy. It is very hard to do, <laughs> to have that vision, to put together the team, to say over and over again, this is what we're doing, and then get give people skin in the game, mm-hmm. like, here you go, and have communicated that well enough, 
and then executed on it to show people how to do it. And then you can kind of like show people how they can step up in certain ways. That's very hard, very hard to do to give people that amount of buy-in. Cause right. When a lot of people buy, they're like, all right, I bought now do something for me. Mm-hmm. You be, you have to be able to like break that connection somehow to be like, no, no, I'm going to do things for you. And in return, I'm going to make this that if you participate, it's going to be even better. And be, you've now caught the vision. Yeah. And that's, that, that takes a lot of work in order to do to, to get people to buy in and, and work for you and to do that at, I like that. And that's hard. That's, that's so hard. So when you're talking, so when you're talking to organizations, how are you talking about different chains? Are you saying like Ethereum is where this is at? Tezos is where this is at? Stacks is where this is at? How do you, how do you talk about the different blockchains when you're talking to big organizations? You know, so it depends on what their, their goals are and their leanings are. Some, some organizations right off the, the bat believe they can't play on certain networks because, and I, I use network and change, chain interchangeably. They believe they can't interact with certain networks because of the environmental impact narrative, right? Like, and, and even if we go in and educate them and say like, okay, you know, Bitcoin's like 1% of world energy use. And that's on par with several other industries that we don't really give a hard time about right. having that level of energy use. There's still, even, even if they know that it's not as a big of a problem as press would lead you to believe, they realize that their user base might not read about that or be that educated, like have, have enough interest to dive deep enough to clear that narrative up. So they might just at, you know, earlier, I know, I know where Ethereum is working on things now, but they might just say like, Hey, we can't do Ethereum. So what are our other options? Right. Like, and, and mm-hmm. then, we give them different options depending on what program we're proposing, what their user base is. There's, there's also like a usability component where the UX is not great in the crypto space. Like it just at all. <laughs> right. The whole thing is hard. The whole, the whole thing is hard, right? Like we're talking a, gosh, I don't even know how many step process now that I'm thinking about it. Right. Like one, you need to go sign up for an exchange, get crypto, set up a wallet, secure that wallet, transfer the crypto to the wallet. Sometimes it takes multiple days to get cleared on the exchange to get the crypto in the first place. You know what I mean? You like, yeah. And and then that's just to get set up to buy the damn NFT, right? right. Like you're not even there yet. And it then takes three now, weeks to prepare just to get it. Ah, yeah. Well, see, this is why you have to do the marketing buildup campaign. It's like just to even get people ready to buy the thing that you're putting out there in the world is is a lot of work. So yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the, the chain conversation is complicated and it depends on a, on a lot of factors. Yeah. Okay. So let's just let's let's just take out all the different factors. Let's let's just talk about accessibility. If mm-hmm. if you're trying if a company, say it's like a large, very large company is trying to onboard millions of people, is there is there a way they do that in an easier way? They're talking about going on flow, so it's just using a credit card. Are they talking about I've seen I've heard people talk about like web two and a half, where it's like a custodial exchange, where it's like they don't own their keys yet, but there's like a whole process there. How, I'm sure this is a conversation you're having with people and it's I don't know the right answers here because I'm I'm just as confused. 
You know, a lot of users, a lot of end users for for massive brands, they don't, and I know this is going to hurt some hardcore crypto people to hear this, but those users, they don't care about right. custodial, non-custodial wallet, nor do they even know what that means. All they know is like, here's the thing I want to buy, right? <laughs> and using current technology, I can go on a website, click a button, and I can get it delivered to my front door in in an hour, right? right. Like, why right. would I go from that experience to this crap experience you want me to go through? That's like going backwards in in technological innovation, right? Like it's mm-hmm. it's not improving my life. It's making it worse now. Like you, you want me to go through like a three-week process to to buy your damn thing. Like forget what you. I can get yeah, what I can get my groceries delivered to my door in two days or in right. that day. There's a huge disconnect between the expectations of the current consumer and what folks in the crypto space expect users to put up with. And so for for projects that we want non-crypto natives to have access to, there's the best onboarding experience that, that I've personally experienced is actually with Disrupt Art, and it is on Flow blockchain. And, and the founder of Disrupt Art met me at the San Diego NFT con. And he's like, okay, you got to sign up for this. And I was like, oh man, no, like we're, we're at an event. I'm not going to like set up a wallet and then like have to store that seed freight. Like I can't right now, you know? And he's like, no, no, no. It's not like that at all. You have a Gmail, right? And I was like, yeah. And he's like, just connect with Gmail. I'm like, what is it just going to generate a custodial wallet? And he's like, yeah. And I did, it was like a two-step process. I was like, ah, shit. Like you can actually have the general public do this. Right. And so that, that things going in that direction is what I expect to see more of and not having the, the people behind the project harping on the technology or the philosophy behind having a custodial or non-custodial wallet or giving you hell about what blockchain you use. Cause like, frankly, most people don't care, you know, like you're, you're just, you're complaining to yourself. <laughs> Yeah, you're fight, you're fighting in a room with mirrors with yourself on on yeah. what you think is right because you're right and and I do think we're gonna. It's funny you alluded this very beginning how you Vayner NFT went to Vayner three. I do because the word NFT will go away. Oh my like, goodness, I I want it to go away so bad. You know, like we don't sit here and say, oh, let's have a video call over the internet, right? Like, no, we're just like, here's, here's a link, like hop into this call, right? It's right. Nobody actually has to use the word internet to describe the tech, the underlying technology for what they use. That's, that's where we need to get with NFTs. I, I can't stand hearing the word NFT. <laughs> I'm so tired of the word. Fair. <laughs> yeah. Fair. It, it became this big buzzword and I think it's all going to, it's all going to go away. It's just going to be, I, Web three might even go away. It's just going to be the internet again. It's these are my digital assets on the internet. My, why did I say that? This is my internet things, or and the metaverse, whatever you know. Whatever, right, right, right. And we're going to think about you know supporting artists or oh yeah, I have this artwork. Oh, that's cool. You're not going to and people are soon going to assume they don't have a physical piece. They have it in their digital wallet, and mm-hmm. that's how it's going to be. Yeah, you know, everything's going to flow that way. Okay, last question. As we're wrapping up here, what can you? What are you seeing happening right on the forefront? We kind of just touched on it a little bit of of NFTs. What gets you excited about the future? 
what gets me excited about the future of just the, this whole- the technology. Yeah, the shift into Web three. Okay, so you know, like like I mentioned, I'm kind of I'm kind of over NFTs. <laughs> right, right, right. That's why I shifted my language to talk about Web three. Yeah, yeah, uh, but but that that I think is important because a lot of people think that that is the only way to engage with Web three because it's been in the headlines so much. But I'm actually more excited about the interaction between extended reality. Right, like I actually prefer meeting people in real life because my my whole work day is this. I, I'm just okay. talking to people on screens all day, every day. At the end of the day, I don't want to hop into a metaverse experience and then, I don't know, have a social life there. I've been in the metaverse all freaking day, right? Like I, I'm not going to go to a metaverse party unless someone's forcing me to. And <laughs> I, I would much rather, you know, fly to a conference. That's why these, these events are so popular for people in the Web3 space. So for me... I, I'm excited about technologies that actually build upon a real life experience that, that let me interact with all the things that I have in the physical world and experience the physical world with the senses I have available to me, but also add a layer on top of that. So things like, I, I was actually pretty excited about like smart glasses and, and things that let me see additional information about what's going on around me in the world. And I, I am excited for a world in which that is more seamlessly incorporated into life. Jessica, I love it. This was awesome. Thank you so much for coming on. Where can people find you, find more, ask questions, follow up with you? Where can people do that? Twitter. I live on Twitter right now. Jess Greenwalt. That's J-E-S-S-G-R-E-E-N-W-A-L-T as in tiger. Um, yeah, you, you could just tweet me publicly there. I'll probably, probably just have it on. It's like running right now. It's lights up my phone. So if I get a, get a chance to reply, I will. Awesome. Thank you so much. And of course I'll have all the links all in the description for everything else. Jessica, thanks so much. Yeah. Thanks for having me. Thank you so much for listening to airdrop. If you liked what you heard, please rate and review the show. And post on Twitter that you listen to this episode if this was like your favorite episode and you want everyone to listen to it because it was so incredible and awesome. And also make sure to tag us at Airdrop Show. Uh, hearing from you guys is awesome. We love talking to you. We love hanging out with you in Discord. Let's be friends. And yeah, thanks for dropping in. And hey, why don't you just be yourself? No one can help but admire your spirit. <laughs>